That's a great question. So that actually goes to my actual work at this firm because our message to the market is that if it was just a gaming market, it's really hard to get in unless you make a game. But since it became an esports industry, there's so many different ways that many companies, enterprises could actually join this market. It, you, you don't need to actually create a game IP. So, for example, there's for companies to think of it, there's largely three ways of associating. So one is with, as you said, marketing, branding towards a younger crowd. That's one, one purposes. Yes. Second is that it's about, there's a new business opportunity, new monetization opportunity. That's two. Third is investment. So as a lot of the uh, top esports teams are evaluated very high nowadays, for example, last year Forbes released a list of the top team Hello dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host Sam Kamani and my guest today is Baro Hyun. Baro is originally from South Korea, but these days he is based in Japan. He is a man of many talents. He is an author. He is a speaker and also an advisor that works for KPMG. So he advises um, large businesses, corporates, startups, and even the government of Japan on forming a policy around esports, entertainment, education, and gaming. So if you are in esports, if you are interested in gaming and how it can impact your business, then this is the episode for you. I think this is an episode for every entrepreneur who needs to know how they can leverage esports for their own startup. So let's get into it. So Baro, first of all, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. You have an incredible background. You have spent time in different countries around the world and you have done a lot of work on the esports side. So Baro, what are you working on these days? Thanks for having me, Sam. So great to be here. Yeah, so thanks for the <laughs> checkup as well. Yes, I, I was a little bit of my background. I was born in Korea, raised in the States. I got my degrees in the States and I also worked in Korea. I was trained as an engineer, as an aerospace engineer, so mostly on the AI side of it work. I was working in the aerospace industry, automotive industry, working on like autonomous driving software development, such stuff like that. But yes. then uh, I realized during, while I was doing it, you should know better, Sam. Like one day I realized that I don't want to die as an engineer. It's like, yes. there, there was something that was lacking in my life. And I tried to find that. It took me about three years. And at the end of that three years, I found out that I wanted to do more business. So more close to actual market so that where I can actually meet because I was yes. in R&D. Because R&D is very far away from that market itself. You always get like kind of requirements and you're just supposed to make stuff and break stuff and not really care about clients and stuff. So that was one. And second was about, I wanted to do more, make use of my communication skills, being able to speak different languages, uh, like being in R&D, it, it wasn't really happening. So it was more like you're doing your own stuff. So given that in mind, like around that time, I had a chance to move to uh, Japan with my family. And I had an opportunity to switch my you know, career to management consulting. And I was like, okay, let's give it a shot. And the boss, when I first interviewed, it was like fantastic. And they started off as a tech consultant. But then yes. in the middle of it, because I grew up in, in Korea and I saw all the esports development with StarCraft back in the 90s and being yeah. a big 
Japanese console games. I expect more that in Japan, esports would be way more bigger than, say, Korea or US, where I grew up. But to my surprise,、uh, it wasn't much going on in Japan back then, a few years ago. So、yeah. I find it kind of peculiar. So maybe there's a business potential here going on. So that's, I, that's when I decided to launch an、uh, esports advisory as a side project、yeah. back in 2018. So, it really did start as a side project, and you should know, Sam, right? <laughs> But eventually it took off, and now it's my full time commitment. And I have a team, a marriage up team that I'm managing, like completely dedicated on this esports advisory now. Back to your question yes, as esports advisory, I, I, I specialize in B2B consulting, part of this big four consulting firm that is known around the world. KPMG,、uh, yes. <laughs> and,、uh, <laughs> And yeah, so we do a lot of help out companies on the strategy side of it, also implementation and et cetera, et cetera. So it's a very wide range of、uh, work that we do, but it's been going on for two and a half years and very exciting and just a huge roller coaster ride so far. Yeah, yeah. And you, I understand you have also written a book on esports. Yes, thank you. So I just wrote this book called Demystifying Esports. It's a story. If I give you a little bit of background, I. As I do esports advisory, I found that there's something going on that it's not only about business, but the older generation.、Yeah. They have certain negative connotation towards gaming. And part of it that has to do with not having that gaming experience in their life at all. Absolutely. And they're, and they're seeing in their household or their children or grandchildren just playing games for hours. And it's natural to think about it like having that negative connotation. And all of a sudden, esports taking off, and we're talking about esports business, and people just don't click, especially if they're,、yes. say, my parents' generation. So I wanted to break that. And that's what I try to do with this book. So this book is about how esports as an industry really started back in the 90s in South Korea. So it's a,、yeah. it's a his, historical perspective, but with my own narrative, what I, I share what I was a kid back then, just like to play games. So share the stories, what happened. And these are the series of events that actually happen. And lo and behold, like, everybody calls it esports is so big right now, but it didn't happen overnight. It actually took over two decades. So that's part of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting that you mentioned from my experience of dealing in the esports industry and even the types of games that were coming out from Japan. Korea always seemed like the world leader when it came to esports. Is it still the case these days? Yeah. Market size wise,、uh, so US is number two, but actually China is number one. Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, yes market right? size.、So、market size is really huge. And we have、yes. other countries like in, the, in, in Europe, and Korea is also as, like, big as well. Japan is not as big as you would imagine, but it's getting there. Yes. It's really growing. But in terms of business、uh, maturity wise, that's what I mean by business、yeah. maturity wise. So for, for Korea, it's been over two decades. So we have a very like, wide variety of business use cases. And that's, that's probably the difference. Oh, absolutely. And even three, four years ago, when I was quite active in that scene, a lot of the Chinese companies coming up, like Tencent and, and all those,、mm-hmm. were making amazing strides or big moves in the、yeah. whole scene. And now I can just imagine they are so much more bigger and、um, they have a lot more assets under them now. They have acquired、yeah. a lot of companies,、um, including in countries like New Zealand, where some of our biggest gaming companies have been acquired by Tencent or. One of those t y p e of Chinese giants. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Tell me a bit about your book or 
<clears throat> how do you demystify esports or how do you do that for people yeah yeah so that's a good question it starts from a narrative that about my two sons so they're 6 and 8 and they're like an avid Fortnite player and yeah. and my mother-in-law who lives with them she still thinks that gaming is evil because <laughs> because they they play too much right? yeah so and one day my younger son who's rebellious side he ended up playing too much and pissed her up too much and she ended up cutting the charging cable of his Nintendo Switch and that's when i realized that, okay like there may be a generational gap going on here so <laughs> <laughs> so i wanted to approach exactly like my mother-in-law who's in her 60s very calm yes. japanese lady but who never probably never had that gaming experience only probably seen their children playing or grandchildren playing but also at the same time i don't want to approach too businessy yeah. like like there of course there's a business numbers that are very fascinating to business people but for a general public yes it's probably not their priority so i wanted to approach in a way that you know even if they don't play games and they probably not going to play any games years after too by reading this book they get a first hand experience that what it what it actually feels like i, I don't know if you're familiar with the with this guy called anthony bourdain he's a yes he's a, i know the chef the chef so yes. he wrote this book called the uh, kitchen confidential and uh, it was one of my favorite because it, it's a story about chefs and yes. i'm a horrible cook and so there's no way i'll be a chef but by reading his book it was so entertaining but at the same time you get to know what the chef world is what's happening behind the kitchen yes. at the star restaurant so i wanted to do an esports version of that right so you don't have to play any games just like you don't have yes. to cook but by reading this book you'll get to know actually what happened and why kids or our generation is really excited about it and why the market is keep on growing and even if they ignore it it's going to keep on continue growing and i wanted to put this in a much faster an, rate than what most people much, expect exactly and it's not only about entertainment only how video games started which kind of started as a personal entertainment but now with all the tech development and all that it's really an effective communication tool you could also think of as an education tool etc etc yes. so there's a lot of potential that you can uh, take away from it and i wanted to put this content into a medium that my mother-in-law generation will feel comfortable which is a book so th- there we go yes. yeah oh that is great i've got two sons as well four and yeah. a half and seven and yeah they love minecraft <laughs> yeah yeah totally do, do your kids also play minecraft oh yeah so they started from minecraft then oh, they start from mario then minecraft then move on to fortnite <laughs> yes yes yeah and and i completely understand like the whole the whole concern that the previous or or the two generations before had and it's mm. like growing up in india I, i saw that 30 years ago it was the same thing parents would not want their kids to play right. sports because oh, if you just play you'll never study and all that there is a lot of pressure to study in asian countries all, all mm-hmm. around asia however sports has changed sports became big business and people could see that oh wow sports stars and it became an industry there was a whole sponsorship and advertising and sports institutes and all sorts of uh, professions came around it around sports that it's n- no longer seen as anything less in fact it is the sports stars are worshiped <laughs> in any asian country now if you're 
like a really big sports star. You'd be like a multimillionaire. And so that changed the perception. And I think it is bound to happen with esports as well. We are going through where the older generation would would think the same thing that, oh, if you're just playing video games, you'd be nobody. But then when they see that there are so many more jobs that are created because of esports and entertainment, that that this would be a, a viable opportunity. And it is also in the same way as sports is, is a, a way for any product to grow their usage. It's the same thing with esports. And just like with sports, most people are not going to be able to play football or basketball or, or at like championship level. Just like that, most people won't be able to play at the championship esport level in or take part in major tournaments, but they would be able to watch on Twitch. They would be able to and participate in that way, just like most of us would just spectate. <laughs> we are never going to compete in Olympics or, or any major sporting event because it takes a lot of work and that's what i've always felt like the previous generation never um, understood and comprehended that how much work the top level esports um, players put in or how many hours they put in is 12 hours a day for 10 years straight and that's what it takes so so yeah, how yeah. do you educate businesses about those sort of aspects Sam, I can't agree more. And I, to answer that question, I was thinking about maybe about three points. Like just to add, add on a few more things about what you just mentioned. So like the reason why that esports business has become sustainable was that at least in South Korea back in the 90s is that, as you said, the esports players could work as a full-time profession. So it's they could make a living out of that. That's probably yes. the, the the key most important part that this business ecosystem is being able to be sustainable and that also the social perception around it changes it's same yes. with same with as youtubers yes. so when youtuber came out nobody understood why you're doing this but now it's like good that like the famous youtubers they make good money good living and they want to be a really yeah they make few hundred thousand a month yeah. US dollars. So it's a complete, a very solid profession nowadays. People yes. do it full time. So that's that. There's that. But on the other hand, as you mentioned it, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that because we associate game as a more or less of a hobby or activity, but when it comes to a professional esports players or professional uh, content creator, you're no longer playing it to have fun. You're playing it to win. Or you're, you're playing it to create a content where the viewer appreciates. Not necessarily that you appreciate, but the viewer appreciates. So you're being yes. a professional content creator rather than just a player. So that that changes of stance as soon as you become a professional is different. And it's different mindset. And to reach that level, you're going to have the same level of dedication, commitment that will be required for, say, a professional, traditional sports player. Yes. So I, I totally agree on that. And if you actually look into the uh, business uh, as a whole, uh, the business ecosystem, uh, if you compare the sports business and the esports business, it's very similar. It's I would say it's very almost the same. And part of the reason is that part of the reason why esports was able to be I mean, grow this big is that it's fun to watch. And it's that viewership. And yeah. You know, before that, it was for for more or less of a player perspective. So game publisher make games, and it was really about the players, game players, they be engaged to yes. that. And it was a relatively small ecosystem, but becoming a viewership centric, it became very similar to a sports business. And exactly so if you actually, right. 
Yeah. So if you actually see the stakeholders within the ecosystem and also the actual the dividends of the revenue uh, stream of the esports business, it's very similar to sports business. You have, of course, you don't have game publisher in sports, but other than that, you have the event organizers, teams, players, sponsors, broadcasters, which is exactly the same. And actual the revenue proportion, you have sponsorship, you have broadcasting rights, you have goods, you get tickets and all that, which is exactly the same as sports uh, you know traditional sports uh, business there's a lot of parallelism going on but at the same time what makes it really interesting is really the game part because there's a lot of ip being involved which makes a lot of difference with the compared to the sports industry very true and of course there are lots of places where sports and esports merges whether it is fifa or nba 2k or or any of those sort of games related to that sport yeah very true i have yeah. two practical questions i wanted to ask mm-hmm. you and that is for any business that wants to get involved or or wants to leverage esports that is in a traditional sector not in esports itself how can they do it say it's like a startup tech startup or b2b startup how can they leverage esports yeah that's a great question so that actually goes to my actual work at this firm because our message to the market is that if it was just a gaming market it's really hard to get in unless you make a game but since it became an esports industry there's so many different ways that many companies enterprises could actually join this market you, you don't need to actually create a game ip so for example there's for companies to think of it, there's largely three ways of associating. So one is with, as you said, marketing, branding towards a younger crowd. That's one, one purposes. Yes. Second is that it's about, there's a new business opportunity, new monetization opportunity. That's two. Third is investment. So as a lot of the uh, top esports teams are evaluated very high nowadays, for example, last year, Forbes released a list of the top team top esports team values. And I think the top one was uh, 450 million USD. So was it uh, an Overwatch it, one or a League of Legends one? I think it's a League of Legends one, I think, yeah. or there could be a combination of it. But the yes. point is that th- there's a lot of venture capitals uh, backing those teams. So they're already having capitals going in as an investment channel. So that's a third part of it. There's also, so, and given this, there's many different ways of associating within the esports ecosystem. So as I said, there's teams, there are leagues. And there's yes. players, there's broadcasting. These are all things that you can actually, as a company owner, as an enterprise, that you can try to make use of that. For example, what we tell to our clients that every company should consider owning their own esports team. Because compared to, say, for example, just traditional like advertisement, the brand slapping that you try to show your brand and television, people yes. don't associate with that. But yes. if you have a team creates stories and narratives and people become fans and fans, yes. how fans associate with that brands, the sponsor is completely different level. And there's a lot of research yes. on that side as well. And if you compare owning a team as a company, let's say, let's compare like owning a traditional sports team and an esports team. It's a completely different investment because owning a traditional sports team, you're going to need a lot of investment, early investment. And also it's going to cost you a lot for operational costs because it needs space, yes. all training, all that. But esports on the other hand, it's, it's a relatively small money, small investment because all you need is really a little space with the gadgets and gears and, yes. and the people people to coach and et cetera. So we're, it's totally viable. So we help our clients to actually launch 
to have their own esports team, for example. We do that in wow. here locally. That's and amazing. And there's that we, we have some successful use cases too. And also uh, another way is also having their own league or events, and, and which is also very successful as well. And but these are the, what we so called esports direct market. So right in the yes. middle, at the heart of it. But if you consider not only the heart of it, direct of it, but the peripheral market, for example, yes. you could do a facility business. So what was very popular in Korea is called the business called PC Bangs. I don't know if you're familiar, Sam, but it's a game specific net cafe. Net cafe, yes. So you go in there. There's rows of computers sitting there. You won't believe it. There's some in New Zealand as well, even yeah, to this yeah. date. Yes, back okay, in those right. days there were cyber cafes, but in cyber cafe, if you go in, 19 out of 20 computers are people playing League of Legends or Dota, and then one would be used by a backpacker who's just he doesn't have yeah, space yeah, to submit yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But right. but those backpackers are gone because everyone's got mobile. So it's yeah. all just so they are gaming cafes even here in, in New Zealand, Auckland and, and everywhere. I think I'm pretty sure all around the world. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned it because this facility business model. So it, it happened in several countries, but not all. So I think these kind of models are fitted to certain countries as for their development process. But for example, in the US, we didn't have that such facility business. Really? Everybody played, yeah. Everybody oh. played at their house or it's, it was more like a land party. Everybody get together at yes. college. Yes. So it, it wasn't a facility business as you can get in as to go into a convenience store and you sit down and play for hours and pay as you play. There, there wasn't that business model. But nowadays, it's slowly growing. And so depending on the country and depending on the development stage that they are in, uh, these yeah. kind of businesses has a very huge prospects. It's and also because New Zealand has a very high proportion of mm -hmm. Asian immigrants from China mm. and Korea. And yeah. so if you go in one of these, there'd be very few European ethnicity Kiwis there. Mm. It'd be mm. all Kiwis who are come from <laughs> that background, like who have immigrated from China or Japan. Oh, sorry, not Japan, but Korea. Yeah. And yeah, or some other parts of Asia. But as exactly what you say, it's not everywhere. I'm, I'm sure now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of prospects, like depending on the country, yes. it's different development process that which means that you have different business opportunities. And if you understand what's happening in the market, you can actually plan and strategize your next, I don't know, new business uh, service or a product. And that aligns well with your own enterprise. And what we help as a consultant is that try to set the goals. And so that we set the expectation set in the early on and try to you know manage what's the resources that you already have as a firm and is that something that we can make full use of to, to enter this new market yep that's very interesting is there any advice for say like a really small young startup that they can do they are not in gaming but they want some of the audience that are into gaming how can they reach them i know some companies do that well such as a lot of energy drinks and peripheral manufacturers and all those but those are like a lot of them are much bigger is there even a way for a smaller startup to yeah get access to this market yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's actually many ways, but I would say one one thing that I can think of right now is education. So as a firm, so it's exactly what you said, Sam. So a lot of 
the big firms, big companies who has the capital, the easiest way for them to get into the market is in the form of sponsorship. Yes. But it takes capital. But if you're a yes. startup, you don't have that capital. Exactly right. I would say it's this, if I'm a startup owner, if I'm like leading a startup, I would think of probably not in the marketing or branding channel, but more of the new business opportunity to try to create a new business service. So for example, this also depends on what region you are at, but it's if you're in Japan, for example, there's a lot of interest in the market in people that they want to combine education, especially uh, what's called STEM education, right? Yes. All these, you know, STEM Science, education. technology, engineering, and yeah, maths. Yeah. 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 With game and with esports. And if you come to think of it, it could be very effective because kids are genuinely interested in gaming. Yes. So we see that there's a lot of needs in some kind of educational curriculum that you know maybe very intelligently weaves the gaming prospect very well but at the same time educational so maybe at the end of it you, you could become a software engineer like yourself sam so that that that, that sort of way it's something that it's a very highly intellectual property related and if i'm a startup owner i would actually try to approach that because it's something if you can th- say if you can think of a like a nice curriculum even in a concept level and try to make that as a like minimum viable product as what you help out to. And that, that could be a really good way of, you know, securing your own IP. And that could also, which also means that you could, you know, share that to other places around the world, not only the target, temp, not target market that you are residing in. That is an excellent idea for any founder listening and is interested <laughs> and wants to build an MVP in that space. Go for it. <laughs> you have advice of an expert here. Thank you for that, Baro. I have three quick questions. And before you go, that is one of that. Is there a book you're reading or what was the last book that you read? Oh, yeah. I, I, I So I'm a type where I'm a parallel reader. So I have three, four books dangling around. One is about, here's one. <laughs> it's a Japanese book. It's yes. about uh, how strange Japanese the language is to foreigners and it's written by one of my client which is uh, Lenovo the computer company in Japan the CEO of it so I'm reading this right now I'm also reading the the Homo Deus yes and another one is there's two more books that I'm reading about food so about one is about what's it called evolutionary diet and another one is about the omnivore dilemma about yeah. how our modern day uh, food chain is kind of weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> those are sort of the book that I'm, I'm going through right now. Seems like you're really interested in food and nutrition and <laughs> cooking and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I guess I'm getting that age now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know you could read Japanese as well. Yeah, yeah. Being in a Japanese business scene, uh, it's yeah. necessary to speak and read and interact with your clients. So yes, I, I, I can read and speak. And my oh, fantastic. So you speak a lot of languages. <laughs> Thanks Korean my wife. and English and Japanese amongst yeah. the ones. Yeah. <laughs> and is there a podcast or a YouTube channel that you follow? So podcast is something new, I'll be honest with you. So nice. I really haven't had much experience with podcasts, but since my book is out, I have a fantastic experience all around the world. Like you, Sam, like when I would, I would never had this experience with speaking with someone in New Zealand and yeah. it's a different time. So yes, I, I, I basically follow the, the podcast that I appear like the ones yes. here right now, but also there's a couple of others that I've started following that was based in the US more about the gaming side and also parenting. Oh, very cool. 
So those are the podcasts. YouTube. <laughs> yes, I'm into YouTube nowadays. Nobody watches television, right? So yes. I, I watch a lot of old school StarCraft leagues that happened in the 90s and the 2000s back in Korea. Yeah. I, I can't help. So I watch them. I watch a lot of TV shows or a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with Mukbang. Like, you yes, know, people, yes, yeah, people eating. Cameras. Yes. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I never thought that I will be like remotely interested in that kind of content but i love it so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. do you also watch twitch i don't know do people watch twitch in japan it's yes people watching which watching but it's not major yet they are a growing population and there are also other options local localized yes. options here provided by japanese companies so it's not i would say it's not as big as like seeing the us, the US yeah. but, but it's, it's growing Yep. Yeah. Live I always has a much smaller audience. Mm -hmm. Any live compared to pre-recorded because the production quality in pre-recorded can be a lot higher. <laughs> and YouTube mm -hmm. has done a fantastic job. The amount of traffic has just grown on it. <laughs> As you said, I don't even watch Netflix. I rarely watch Netflix. I just watch YouTube because everything mm -hmm. I want, whether it is learning or self-development mm -hmm. or food, mm -hmm. anything like no. it's just on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Totally, and if you had unlimited time, resources, and money, what would you work on or what would you build? Ooh, yes. I actually have this idea that I've been playing around for a while now, pondering around, and I probably would seek that idea further. And it has to do with it's related to what we've been talking about. Yes. And like, I, I take entertainment seriously so for example what i mean by that is i think as a society as an infrastructure we have a lot of education or medical healthcare whatsoever but if you come to think of it do we have a social like a social infrastructure regarding how we have fun as human being do people teach you so for example what my hobby is what you like to play what's your favorite game or what are gaming is your thing or it could be something else it could be cook so we pretty much start as a zero base and we find out in a serendipitous way and some sticks to us and some doesn't yeah and and it's very it's purely based on luck and i found yes. it kind of unfortunate because i think as a human being one way it differentiates us with animal is that we like to have fun we are an animal who would create something yeah. to for our own entertainment which includes youtube and gaming yes. so along that line wanted to perhaps try to create something maybe a business that could help i don't know like a concierge or that people learn what they actually like to play what do you like to play that's my question that i have and i want want some answer to that and maybe th there's going to be some time and resource to answer that and also maybe a new venture for that but that's the idea that i've been pondering yes that is so true it's just you know what they say your best friends aren't necessarily the people who you can get along best in the world they are mm. just the people who are in that place at that time <laughs> that yeah. you made connection with <laughs> Yeah, there's still hundreds of sports, physical sports that I haven't tried. There is, th There are thousands of games that I haven't played. And maybe yeah. there are games that I would be enjoying even a lot more than I can even imagine. It's, I used yeah. to play only PvE until I one day tried PvP and I loved it so much. Then a, a PvE doesn't seem interesting anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yes. exactly. same. and so, I was and like, why didn't I try this 10 years <laughs> earlier? 
<laughs> exactly. We, we all have that moments. And yes. it, it may not be, it, it could be something else out of games. It could be like, I don't know, like camping or Sudoku or basketball yes. or like swimming or drawing or whatsoever. But it's just that we never, we, it's as a human being, we're so limited to that exposure. And I think having this limited time of life, it's wasteful not to know what you like and how, what you want to enjoy. <laughs> And and so I, I that's something that I've been thinking. So about I'll it. tell you my hack. It's a very limited, and every year I have few new things that I pursue. And if they stick, it's great. If they don't, so you see, there's like oil paintings all around. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so cool. yeah, that, that's part of that. Last year I started tennis, and now mm. I love it. So mm. like the physical tennis, tennis. Yeah, and so having a lot of fun with that. I go three times. I play every week. Mm. So yeah, every year I will try and do some some new physical sport or a new physical craft or something, just just to see and figure out yeah. what is and and it keeps your brain working exactly, <laughs> even if i exactly. don't enjoy it after a year mm. i just drop it next year i'll do mm. something else yeah that's my sort of hack <laughs> yeah um, yeah no, I'm, I'm, i think that's great and uh, i think a lot of people should do that and uh, i think i guess my point is that we should take entertainment more seriously because we're i think we're getting at that age not a, as a yes. person but as a world as a society and so we're going to have a lot of time on our hand and when we have time, we got to think about how we're going to spend it. And of course, we can be pro- we can try to be productive as much as possible, but we also like to have fun. And that side of it, I haven't seen much thing going on, at least in my limited experience here and there. So that's something that I like to really it pursue. It is such point. a hard thing to tackle, but it is a mm. very interesting thing that I mm. just learned that I never gave it that much thought. I just did it instinctively, tried something yeah. new. <laughs> but yeah. And yeah, so finally, do you have any ask? Are you looking for anything? Are you looking for team members, customers? Yeah, I'm looking for... So I'm trying to reach our uh, client base more overseas. And thanks to like, my, like this year, like I've been doing some activities on my... Very pretty active on my LinkedIn. So I yes. actually have quite a few client gain in, in, this, in the United States and also a couple in, in Europe as well. And so I'm happy to expand this more to say New Zealand and Australia, that area. Yeah. And we're, we're, so we... Well, it's just a little bit about what we do in Japan. So absolutely, we basically we're doing an advisory in esports and gaming. But uh, one is on the business side for you know large scale enterprises, but also small. But we also help out the government. We help the Japanese government build the public policy on gaming and esports. So that's the second part. But we also do education. So we actually teach at uh, Keio University. We've been teaching esports uh, dedicated course for the past three years now, and yeah. and the reception has been very great. So we're trying to expand this activity to overseas and also try to understand if there's any client out there who would be interested in to actually coming into Japanese market because it's such a great opportunity right now. And we could, there's some if you're interested in this esports and gaming space, that's certainly that we, there's something that we can help. And uh, if you're not familiar with that, feel free to take a look at my book. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, that's what that's, I will do is I will put all the links to your to you to your social media, your LinkedIn, to your book, everything underneath. I already have all that 
um, sorted. So wherever this goes, people will have access to that. So Baro, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to have you here and talk about esports, something that I really enjoy as well. <laughs> so that's why even though this is slightly outside the topic, I really wanted to interview you for this. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, likewise, Sam. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a, such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.